Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Scott, and I'm, uh, I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge, and I'm excited that you guys are here as we wrap up a series we've been in for the last few weeks called Arrows. And it's a series on uh, the family, family dynamics, family relationships inside of our home. And specifically, we've been talking about in our parenting, how do we go about launching our kids without losing our minds? And we've talked about that losing our minds can be a reality sometimes. It feels like when we have kids, uh, but we're trying to launch them out into the world to be difference makers. How do we go about doing that uh, without losing our minds in the process? And we've talked about each week that we really want this series to be practical and very helpful beyond just Sunday morning. And so we've made a resource page available. And on that resource page, it's, it's at thebridge.me slash arrows. That resource page, it has uh, websites that we recommend. It has some apps that we recommend for the family, uh, specifically a MyFam app. It's something we introduced uh, two or three weeks ago that really is incredible for the family. It has all kinds of different activities and things to talk about together as, as a family. Uh, we have other resources there, including the messages from the series, the past messages we've done. And so if you've missed any of them and want to catch up, you can find them there. And hopefully, this really is a practical, applicable series for you. And I've heard from several of you that the things we've talked about in here have really made a difference uh, in your lives and for, uh, especially as parents. And so that's been our hope and our goal the entire time. The, the title of the series, Arrows, comes from a passage that's found in the book of Psalms. Uh, it's, a, it's one of two psalms that Solomon actually wrote, King Solomon. He was the third king in Israel. Uh, his father was King David. And the scripture says that Solomon is the wisest person to ever live. And so if you're getting advice from the wisest person to ever live, that's probably pretty good advice. And so here's, I want to read the passage to you. We're going to read it in its entirety, and you'll see where we've gotten the, the title, Arrows, from in this passage. It says this, it's found in Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, anxiously toiling for food to eat, for he gives sleep to those he loves. In verse 3 it says, Behold, children are heritage and gift from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, he will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the city gate. It says, blessed is the, the person whose quiver is full of arrows. And so Solomon uses this uh, metaphor that children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior to talk about the home. And so we've been talking each week, what does that look like in our home? And we've used the, the title as well as an acrostic that's kind of served as a guide for us each week on the things we're going to talk about. And so to refresh you from where we've been, we started very, very first week, week one with the letter A. And we talked about the aim of parenting. What is the aim of parenting? What is the bullseye that we're trying to aim for with our kids? And we talked about that bullseye being that they would pursue everything God has created them to be and to do. Uh, the next week, we talked about the first R, which, was, which stood for release. That at some point in our parenting, we want to release those arrows out into the world. We want to release 
our kids out into the world to be difference makers and to go live the life that God has created them to live. Uh, hopefully, we are, when we release those arrows, they're not like boomerangs and come back uh, to the home, but, but they're like arrows. And so we talked about release the second week. The third week, uh, the second R, we talked about rhythm, that God has created a rhythm to the family. Uh, he's created a rhythm to parenting that he invites us to experience. And what life looks like living in that rhythm and outside of that rhythm, we'll talk a little bit more about that today. And then last week, we talked about the O, which stood for obstacles, that obstacles come along in parenting, and how do we help our, our kids, our children, overcome some of the obstacles? And we talked about three of the biggest obstacles that we would face in parenting and how to overcome those as well. So today, as we wrap up, uh, we're looking at the final letter, the W, and the W stands for work. And the reality is any relationship, it doesn't matter if it's a friendship, it doesn't matter if it's a, a, a spouse, a, a marriage, it doesn't matter if it's a parent-child, any relationship, for it to be everything you want it to be, it requires work. It requires effort. You have to put in the work for it to become all that you want it to be and all that God has created it to be. And what I want to do for the next few minutes, I want to do something we've never done before, what I, I did it last service. It's the first time I did it, last service. This is the second time we've ever done this before. Um, I, wanna, I wanna break down this passage for you. And it's really in a way to, um, to give you a way of showing you how to study a passage of scripture. Uh, when you are looking at a passage of scripture, uh, some things to ask, uh, questions to ask would be, who is God in this passage? Uh, who am I in this passage? Who are we? And just discovering those kinds of things about who God is, what he says, what he promises, discovering who we are in the passage and how those things interact, how God and, and our lives interact in the passage. Those are always important kind of questions to ask. So we're going to look at that and we're really going to look at two choices that we have when it comes to a relationship with God. In choice one, we begin to understand who God is and the things that he provides for our lives. And in choice number two, it's a choice kind of a life apart from God, a life that, you know, not wanting to live under God's divine plan. We discover a lot of things about ourselves, specifically some of our limitations. And so as we do this today, um, we're going to get, uh, since it's football season, we'll get started with the telestrator. And uh, we're going to look at this, this passage, and we're going to look at uh, verses 1 and 2 of the passage because... It does give us a choice. And how do you know it gives us a choice? You find that by these words here, unless. So unless we do something, this will happen. Unless we choose this, this choice will lead to this. So we see there's a choice here. And the first choice really comes down to a choice that God invites us to, a life that God invites us to. And both of these choices will require work both inside and outside the home, they'll both be affected. Uh, the kind of work we put in will be affected by the choice we make. The first choice being to live under God's, uh, how God designed it, God, uh, how God wants you to experience life. And so what we learn in this passage are some things about God. Uh, we learn that the Lord builds. We learn that the Lord watches. We learn that he gives and he loves. 
So let's write out here over the side. These are things that we're learning about God. We learn, first of all, that God builds. He builds. He creates. He's an architect. Put a C on there. He's an architect. These are things that we learn about God. Now, this is not the only place that we learn these things about God. In fact, the very first book of the Bible talks about that God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, he fashioned together the heavens and the earth. It talks about that he created all of animal life, uh, both in the air and on the earth and also under the sea. And then it talks about how he fashioned together human life. And so we know that God is a builder. He is a creator. He is the architect of the universe and our lives personally. So we see that in this passage that he builds. We also see that he watches. So in other words, he guards, protects. He preserves. So he watches over our lives. He guards our lives. He protects our lives. He preserves our life um, we see that in the scripture as well that he is a a strong a strong tower a mighty fortress that we can run to and he watches over us not only is he watching over the entire universe but he watches over our lives individually he watches over our families and we can lean into that and we can depend on him uh, during times where we can depend on him at all times but especially those times that are really difficult in our life we can run to him as a strong tower. He watches over us. We also see that he gives. And we know from here and from other places that God is very generous. But he also loves. He has deep affection for us as well. These are things that we learn about God. And re actually, both of these, these things come together in probably one of the most popular verses that, that's in Scripture. It's probably the verse that no matter how many uh, times you've been to church or looked at the Bible or how many times you haven't, you probably are familiar with at least the reference point of one verse because it shows up everywhere on all sporting events and everything, John 3.16. And John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so he loves in such a way that he's willing to give sacrificially these are things that we learn about God and as we live underneath God's uh, authority as we surrender or submit our lives to his authority these are things we begin to discover in our own lives uh, we, we discover these things about God and who he is and how that impacts the work in our lives, the work of our relationships, all of these things are impacted by who God is. Now, again, we have a choice here, and, and we, we, you know, we've got this choice of sub submitting to God or, or not. And so in the life that we say, ah, we're going to live apart from God. I don't need to, I don't need to you know, follow God. I don't need to live under His guidance. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, if we do that, then some things we learn about ourselves. So we just put we out here. 
we're also builders, right? I mean, we create, we build, we're architects. Uh, we also guard, you know, we protect, we watch over things, we preserve things. So we do some of those things our well, as well. But here's what the scripture tells us, that unless we do them under the Lord's leadership, we'll circle these words right here. We do them in vain. We do them in vain. In other words, it is never uh, satisfying. And never enough. We work, we do, we're constantly going, we're constantly doing things, but we never find satisfaction. It doesn't matter how much we acquire, it's not enough. It doesn't matter how much money we make, it's never enough. You ask somebody that's made a ton of money, how much money do you want to make? Just a little more. It's never enough, right? And you're never fully satisfied. You never, it's all in vain. It seems empty. It seems uh, unfulfilling. And it says that, that, that also because of that, and because we're constantly chasing after it, we need more, we need more because we're not fulfilled. What do we do? We rise early and we stay up late. We'll go ahead and circle this in vain as well. We rise early, we stay up late. So we are tired. We're worn out. Right? Uh, we're stressed. This describe anybody? Tired, worn out, stressed. If you're a parent, it does occasionally, right? Rising early, staying up late. That's what's called being a parent sometimes. And so we're tired, worn out, we're stressed. And look what it says here, that we're anxiously toiling. That's a key phrase here. Uh, for food to eat, and that food to eat is not, it's talking about it could be food that we literally eat. But it's also talking about the status that we chase after. The living that we're trying to provide. That position that we want. We're anxiously toiling. We rise up early. We stay up late. Running after it. Running after it. It's that constant treadmill. Because what I did yesterday may not be good enough for today. What I do today may not last for tomorrow. And so we're having to go at it constantly, constantly, constantly. Running, running, running. Which means we carry these huge burdens. And, 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 and we're stressed to the max. I kind of wrote that there. And all of these things are culminating in our lives. And we don't know what to do. And the great thing about God is God gives us an invitation here. And God says, listen, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. And here's why. He says, if you decide to follow after me, this right here is key. He said, I will give you sleep. And some of you are like, I hadn't had good sleep in a long time. I'll take it. But it's more than just sleep. It's rest. It's not just rest physically, but it's rest emotionally. It's rest for our soul. So you can sleep, I mean, you can sleep eight hours a night and still not feel rested. Because it's a rest that comes from only one place, and that's from God. 
It's a peace about our lives, a rest for our souls. And so what does he, what does he suggest here? What is the, what's the application here? Well, number one, number one is that we acknowledge God's position. We acknowledge God's position. He's in a position of authority. He is the supreme authority of the universe. And there's nothing, and he's always been that. There is no rival for God. There is no equal to God. Nobody put him into that position. He is that position. He is the supreme authority, the supreme architect, the supreme power of the universe. And it's our responsibility to acknowledge that. Now, you might say, well, I don't have to acknowledge that. No, you're, you're right. You're right because for us to acknowledge that does nothing for him in the way of validating his position. He's not sitting back going, I really need you guys to acknowledge me so I'm validated here. No, 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 no. He is validated completely. From eternity past, he has been in this position. He's completely validated in that position. He does not need our acknowledgement. It does not benefit him at all for us to acknowledge his position. It only benefits us. And when it comes to his position that he holds, we can acknowledge it, we can fight against it, or we can run from it. And those three choices we make have different um, consequences in our life. But if we choose to acknowledge the authority, his position of authority, it benefits our life and our life is better because of it. And basically acknowledging his position of authority is saying, you know what's best. No matter what I think, no matter what might seem counterintuitive or countercultural, if it doesn't know, no matter if I can see where you're leading, or maybe if I don't even agree with where you're headed, I still acknowledge that you know more than me. And I'm going to follow your advice because you know best. You know best. Have you ever, as an adult, gotten into an argument with your elementary age kid and they're questioning whether or not you know what you're talking about you're telling them you know no don't go do this because this will happen or you know stay away from this because this will happen and they're sitting there questioning you and questioning your ability to know those kinds of things and you're sitting there going you're seven right I have a little bit more tread on these tires, okay? I've been down this road a little further. I know what I'm talking about. You don't. And so how in the world can you argue with me? And then I think about some of the times that I argue with God. And some of the times I'm going to sit there and go, yeah, I don't know, God. That didn't seem to make sense to me. And God's like, how old are you? How much have you done? I've done a, a pretty good bit. How much have you done? And we start comparing notes, and I'm like, okay, I'm out. So, yeah, I, I acknowledge you. And that's really what it comes down to. You know best, so much more than me. So we have to acknowledge his position, his position of authority. The second thing we have to do is we have to trust God's activity. We have to trust his activity. In other words, we learn to trust who God is. And even if there are times where, man, it just seems dark. It just seems like I don't know what to do. And we want to call into question whether or not we can trust God. 
as if God, if, if, if I really, if you really were watching out for me, I wouldn't be going through this stuff. If you really were watching out for me, I wouldn't be experiencing heartache. If you were really watching out for me, my kids wouldn't rebel. If you were really watching out for me, you just fill in the blank. And so we're questioning whether or not we can trust God and trust his activity in our life. And when those times come, what we have to learn to trust is what we already know about him. See, the point of having a relationship with God is that we learn, we learn who he is and we become more familiar with his ways. And so in those moments where I'm looking down the road and I don't see where God is leading, I don't, I don't understand it. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm questioning whether or not I should trust his activity. I have to lean on what I already know to be true of God. And I've discovered that through reading his word to understanding him in my life. In the book of Proverbs, chapter three, verses five and six, it says, trust in the Lord with most of your heart. See, some of you are Bible scholars. You've already called me on that, right? <laughs> trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on a good bit of your understanding. No, do not lean on your own understanding. It's that argument with the seven-year-old, right? At some point you have to go, God, I'm trusting you here because I'm walking blind in this. And I'm just trusting you that you're guiding my steps, that you're leading the way. You see, what most of us want, we want God to show us five miles down the road. We want God to show us five years, 10 years down the road so we can just be prepared, have everything lined out. Most of the time, God doesn't operate that way. Uh, David, King David, in the book of Psalms, he talks about, he says, your word, God, your word is like a, a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Now, one of the things that you, you discover as you kind of start studying the scripture is that the lamp he refers to in his particular time frame it would have been a hand lamp, something he carries in his hand. It has a little, some oil in there and a little wick. And so when you light that, it illuminates the next step in front of you. It's not like a Q-beam and I'm shining down, you know, 100 yards down the way. No, I'm illuminating the very next step. And he's saying, your word is like that for me, that it illuminates my next step. I love for it to illuminate the next 20, 30, 40, 100 steps, but it's illuminating the next one. And so I have to depend on it every single day, every single step. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge or submit to him. I don't know where you're going. I seem like I'm in a dark, but I'm surrendering to you. I'm submitting to you. I'm acknowledging you. And he will make your path straight. What we want is for him to make it easy. God never promised to make it easy. He promised to make it straight, which means he would guide us. He would help us see where we were to go. But every day we have to lean into him and not trust our own wisdom, not trust our own understanding. We learn to trust God's activity. And then we embrace God's love. You know what's amazing to me 
is that here is God, the supreme authority, master of the universe, all-powerful. He is a strong tower, an impenetrable force that watches over and guards and protects us. And at the same time, he is the lover of our souls. He is the lover of your marriage. He is the lover of your family. He has a passionate love for you and me that causes him to pursue us relentlessly. Why does the all-powerful master of the universe, strong, mighty tower, have to pursue us at all? If you're all-powerful, you shouldn't have to pursue anybody. But he gives us a choice of whether or not we want to follow him and live for him. And in that choice, he pursues us because he knows what's best for us. See, God's heart is not to subjugate us. He just pursues us, so we'll be his subjects, and we'll just obey and do all that we're supposed to do. No, 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 no. That's not the heart of God. If God wanted to force you to do things, he could. But God's heart is that you would choose because of his love for you. You would choose to follow him. And so he pursues and he pursues. And it's not to subjugate, it's to empower you to live the life that he's created you to live. To live the life that you long to live. And that's his heart, that's the heart of God and what he wants to grant you with, what he wants to give to you. He pursues you. And so when you acknowledge his position and when you trust his activity and when you embrace his love, what you get is rest. You get rest. Now, that doesn't mean you kick, kick your feet up, lay back, easy sailing. No, that's, that's, that's not what he's talking about. Because we're still builders, we're still creators, we're still guarders, we're still, you know, protectors, preservers, we're still all those things. But he says, in the midst of that, I will give you rest. It's rest for your souls. I will watch over you, I will, I will give you peace in your heart and rest for you as you work, as you build, as you create, as you guard, as you protect, as you preserve. I will give you rest. So this whole anxiously toiling, he said, I'm going to try to take you off the treadmill and let you know that I am completely satisfied and pleased with you. So you don't have to get on this treadmill to try to please me. For those of you who know my son, is what God says, for those of you who know my son, Jesus, and have a relationship with him, I'm completely pleased with you. I'm totally satisfied with you. So you don't have to do things to try to please me. And you can rest. It's actually what Jesus said. And Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he looks at us today and he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Does that define anybody? Weary and carry heavy burdens. Yeah, if you're a parent, it does sometimes, right? What are they going to get into? What's going to happen? What's the, where are they going to go? All those things that burden us down at times. He says, come to me. If you're weary and carry heavy burden, and I will give you rest. And he's going to define what that looks like. 
It's not just, you know, take it easy, you know, life on easy street. No, he says, listen, take my yoke upon you. In other words, a yoke is what you put on oxen as they're plowing a field. So he's saying, listen, you're still going to work. I'm not calling you to be lazy. I'm calling you to continue to do the things that I've gifted you and created you to be able to do. But I want you to do that under my yoke. What does that mean? Well, so he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. You will, you will find a peace of mind and a sense of rest internally that you cannot find apart from me. So come to me and find rest. And what happens then when we have this sense of rest and we're not living with anxiety and we're not completely stressed out and burdened. Well, then we go to bed and the next verse comes up. And it says, behold, children, right? <laughs> I don't have to tell you how that works, do I? I mean, you understand that part, right? Children come along and they then add the next level of burden and stress and all that kind of stuff, right? See, you know, I, I, as I studied this passage and I've been studying it for over five weeks now, there was a part of me that kept asking the question, what are the, what's the connection between these two sections of this, of this passage? You got, unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord guards, like do it in vain, anxiously toiling, blah, 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 you find rest, you know, yada, yada. Children are a gift or heritage from the Lord. Well, what's the connection in that? And more than just, you know, and you go to bed and children come along. There's got to be something deeper than that, right? And the truth is, when you began looking at this, and the, and the whole thing of building a house, you know, if you, you, unless the Lord builds the house, the whole thing about building a house, it's more than just a structure. I mean, it can be a structure. It can be like you building a house. But there's more meaning that goes behind that than just building a structure. It could be building a home. It could be building a family. It could be creating a legacy it could be leaving some kind of mark, some kind of legacy, building your portfolio. Those kinds of things go into building a house and then guarding a city, unless the Lord guards the city. Well, it can mean guarding a literal city, but that city could be the things that you're trying to guard and protect in your life. It could be the wealth that you've created. It could be your position in life. It could be a level of status. It could be your home, your family. So, so, so I'm looking at this. And it says, unless the Lord is doing all that, so unless we're operating under his guidance, we will run, you know, all the time, constantly, we will wear ourselves completely out trying to build something in the way of a legacy that we get to leave behind. Our name that gets to be admired like a city is admired. We want people to admire us. We want people to look and say, look what they did. Look what they accomplished. Look at the mark they left on this world. We want to be remembered when we die. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things because that's exactly the way God has created you. God created you with a sense of passion and a sense of purpose. In fact, we started off this year 
And we did a series at the beginning of this year, a teaching series called The Best Year Ever. And we talked about for this to be the best year ever, it's going to be a year that you look back on and you, you've decided, I've lived this year with a sense of purpose. I've lived this year for something greater than just me. I lived this year for the purpose that God has created me to live. And identifying what that is and how you give back, how you contribute. And the fact that we are all by design people that want to pursue something bigger than ourselves, that want to be connected to something bigger than ourselves. And we have a sense of passion to pursue after those things. Those are the way God has created us. So to have the mindset, I want to leave a legacy. I want to make my mark in this world. I want to be involved in something that's bigger. All of those things are God-given. But what God is looking at us in this passage and saying, because sometimes the way God answers those longings and passions and needs may be a little different than the way we would answer them. God says, you want to know the connection of those things? You're running after, you're chasing after, you're wanting to build something, you're wanting to guard something. Here's the connection. And he gives the second half of the passage. And he says, your children are a heritage from the Lord. This is the answer right here. What am I building toward? What am I leaving? What, what's my mark on this world? Your, your children. Your children are a heritage. They're the answer your offspring are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. For they would not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court or contend with their opponents at the city gate. In other words, it may very well be that the greatest legacy or mark in this world that you can ever make are the people that God has entrusted to your care. See, we spend hours and hours chasing after things. We toil anxiously trying to get our name out there, trying to start that company, trying to build that business, trying to get my name on the wall, trying to reach a certain milestone, trying to be remembered in some way. But what if your greatest legacy is the family that you're raising? What if your greatest mark on this world is those kids that are in your care that God intends for them to be difference makers in this world? What if your greatest mark is there? How does that change the way you view this, this whole thing of parenting? That it's, that it's more than just trying to get these youngins raised up and get them out of the house. but that God has called us as parents to be like warriors. And our children are arrows. And as parents, we are to aim them toward the bullseye of finding out and pursuing everything God has created them to be and to do. That we are to come under a rhythm that God invites us to. One that we acknowledge his position and trust his activity and we embrace his love and we rest. That's a rhythm that God invites us to. And that when obstacles come up, he will give us the ability to overcome those obstacles. So that someday we can release those arrows 
to go out and to be the difference makers that God has created them to be. And on that day, the only thing that will really matter to you is the work that you put into those relationships. Not the work that you put in to providing a living and doing all the things that you're involved in, but the work that you're putting into those relationships. On that day, that will be the thing that matters to you most. As we end the series, I've I've asked Jeffrey to come out. He's going to sing a song. And it's just a song for us to remember as parents. And whether you're currently a parent or you're going to be a parent someday or you're a grandparent, that those children, God has created them in such a special way. And that He is working in their lives to create an extraordinary magic. And maybe the most magical thing that we can ever do as parents is pour into their lives so that one day when they leave, the magic truly happens. So listen to this song. Open, awed and amazed and 
you start to doubt it I'll remind you of the million ways that I see it I see it I swear I do I see extraordinary magic Roger Dozot to come out. Roger, um, Roger and I have known each other for uh, well over 20 years now. And um, uh, Roger is a father of two daughters and six grandchildren. And um, Roger leads our prayer ministry here at the Sugarland campus of the bridge. And uh, each Sunday between our services, so from 10 to 10:30. Uh, we have a prayer team that's available in this hallway right here next to the, the worship center over on this side. Um, and they're available to pray with anyone for any concerns or needs that you have. And they're there every Sunday. Um, but I've asked Roger to come and just as we close out this series, um, to just come and say a word of prayer over all of us, but specifically us as parents. So, Roger, if you'll pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful, Lord, for every blessing of life that you give us. Thank you for your holy word that we can look at with our own eyes and study and hear preached. Thank you for the great truth that you've lodged in our minds and hearts that unless, unless the Lord build a house, we labor in vain to build it. And then we come to find out that it's not about building a physical house, it's about building a family. It's about raising children. And unless you build it, we labor in vain. And so my prayer today is to bless each parent, whether past, present, or future, with the resources that they need for raising their families, for influencing their children. We pray first that you would bless them with a desire to seek you so that we can all stay on the right path. I pray for them the wisdom, your wisdom, be placed upon them so that they make wise choices and can lead their children to make wise choices. I pray for godly influences and values that you place not only in the parents' lives but in the lives of the children. Values like faith and love, hope, trust, joy, peace, patience, perseverance. All those things we need from you and we need to be reminded regularly that we need those from you pray that with these resources that parents will be able to help chart the course not just for their children but for their own legacy as we've heard today what a great challenge that is to us 
And we know that we're powerless to accomplish those things which you desire without your blessings in our life. So we pray, trusting and thanking you for Christ Jesus who allows those things to be ours. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Roger.